0: Hey, good morning, everyone. How we doing? Good. All right, good, good, good. How many of you can think way back, for some of you, who your kindergarten teacher was? Can you remember, those of you fifth year olds do you remember your kindergarten teacher, and do you remember their name? I remember my name, my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Foot. <laughs> and she had really big feet, too. I don't know what it was. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing Miss Foot, if you're out there watching online, I'm sorry. Um, the, the one thing that I, um, that I just loved about Miss Foot, she was a great storyteller. I'm telling you, she would just captivate me. She would just read with enthusiasm and just get you into the story. And so when we would have story time, I would get really excited. So we did in my kindergarten class, we all had little rugs, these little like three-by-three three rugs, and she goes, okay, I want all of you to now go over and get your rug, get your your rug mat, and I want you to sit in a circle, and I'm gonna read you a story, and we get so excited. Yeah, she's gonna read a story, and she had this rocking chair, so she sat in the rocking chair, and we all gather on Missus' foot, and she would always read stories. I don't know about you, how many of you love a good story? I I love hearing people's story. I love hearing people's backstory. I mean. Listen, I could care less about the Super Bowl Day because bills aren't in. But anyways, um, I move on. I'm 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 getting therapy for it, but I'm doing better. Um, uh, but I love hearing the backstories of a lot of the NFL players, and there's some great, great stories out there, whether or not how they're raised or or things that they overcame. I love I love hearing the good stories. I love the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, C.S. Lewis. I mean, I just there's something about a great story. And what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks is we're going to be looking at the stories of Jesus. And so not only for the next couple of weeks, but for the next couple of months, we're just going to be talking about Jesus. Can we do that? Can we just talk about Jesus? We are just going to look at the person of Jesus. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the stories of Jesus. We're going to be looking at the character of Jesus. I think right now in our day and age, we need Jesus. We, we, we need to hear from him. We need him to settle our spirits. We need to settle down. And so uh, I, I really just felt led just to really just teach on the person of Jesus, and we're going to be looking at the stories of Jesus. In fact, at least a third of Jesus' teachings were in the form of stories or parables that you would see in the word of God. And I want to look at I want to look at Jesus's parables or the stories that Jesus told his listeners, his disciples and for us to hear today and what they mean for us today because there is a reason there is a purpose for Jesus's Parables, And I want to dig into these stories and I want to understand why Jesus spoke in parables. Mark 4.33, I want to look at, at two versions real quick of the purpose of why Jesus spoke in parables. It says this, With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. Look at the NLT says it this way. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. So what is a parable? Well, just a simple definition of a parable would be an earthly illustration or a story with a heavenly meaning. So Jesus sharing a story a concept, a heavenly concept, and he brings it down to an earthly illustration so for those who are listening could understand. Now, as much as that is true, there is a deeper reason or a deeper meaning for a parable. A parable literally means something cast along something else. So Jesus uses parables to illustrate a truth. And and most of the time, it was to illustrate a truth about the kingdom of God and about how we are to be part of this kingdom. And so Jesus uses these stories to relate to the people that he's talking to so they could understand these heavenly concepts. And so he would use these parables alongside a heavenly truth. Now, Jesus' use of parables had basically a two-fold meaning. Uh, the, The first fold meaning there was a parable revealed a truth to those who sought it. So he would give a story And then many times he'd have people hanging like, Jesus, what did that story mean? We want to know more. And then later he would go on to explain what that story meant. The other fold part of this, uh, of Jesus giving parables was a parable would also hide the meaning to those who were indifferent. So, uh, see, you guys are listening. See, and, and that's exactly what happened. You, you guys been reading your Bible. See, what would happen is he would, give this, he would give this story, and then there were those that would want to seek and say, oh, okay, I, I want to know more. And then for others, they didn't care. They didn't go back. They didn't ask. And it, it, was, it was a type of litmus test to see for those who were truly seeking him and wanted to know more. And that's exactly what we're going to see in the story of Jesus today or the parable of the sower today. So Jesus would share this parable, and then he would leave you hanging. See, if you wanted to know more, you would seek to find the answer. If you were indifferent, you would not seek the meaning. And that is why, at times, Jesus would share the meaning of the parable at a later time with his disciples. And we're going to see that in the very story of the sower today. So let's jump into Mark chapter 4, and we're going to look at the parable of the sower, and it's, it says here, starting in verse 1, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. A very large crowd gathered around him, so he got into a boat, and then he sat in the boat, and while the people remained on the shore. And he taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. And he says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. And as he scattered across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it and other seeds fell on, sh- on shallow soil with underlying rock and the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon withered under the hot sun and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns and it grew up in, and was choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, they grew, they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now he stops. He leaves them hanging. Now, for those who want to know more, now he, he, he stops right there. And then what he's going to do is he's going to go back and explain to the disciples. Because the disciples are like, hey, what's going on? What, what's the deal here? Tell us, tell us more. See, what Jesus was saying is, are you open? Do you really want to hear? Do you really care? Or are you just indifferent? So what he does is he goes back and he, he explains. And this is what he says. Starting verse 14, he says, The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fell away as soon as they have problems or persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's words, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so that, it, so that no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produced a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as it had, as it had been planted. Amen to God's word. So here, here listen, Jesus is teaching from a to those who are gathered on the shore. And Jesus uses this opportunity once again to teach about the kingdom of God. So the parable that Jesus taught fell on two types of ears. Jesus understood that some that were gathered there on the beach had their minds already made up about him. They would listen without really listening or they would hear without really hearing. Have you ever had that conversation with someone that they really weren't listening to what you were saying? Brother, spouses? Have you ever done that with your wife or whatever, men, they're they're telling you a problem, and you're already five steps ahead of them because you're going to fix the problem. You're going to fix it, right? And they don't really want you to fix it. They just want you to do what? Listen. They want you to sympathize. Honey, I'm so sorry. But just, man, tell me more. Instead, we're like, so then when they say, what did I just say to you? And you're like, I heard you. What did I just say? I have no idea. I want to fix the problem for you, right? So there were some that were there, and they're 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 listening, but they're not listening. They're hearing, but they're not hearing. You see, the soil represents different hearts, and so Jesus talks about these four types of soil, and he says, for some, Satan robbed the word from them. The word went out; it went in one ear, out the other. It was just easy pickings. It was just hard soil. They weren't listening. They didn't care. It didn't fall on anything. For some, the word did enter them, but it entertained them for a while. It didn't last when hardships came. It was rocky soil, not deep. It didn't mature. And for some, the cares of the world choked out the world. Their pursuit for the world became more advantageous than hearing God's word and allowing it to mature in their hearts. And so they allowed the worries and the pursuits of this word of this world to overtake what God was trying to speak to them. And then for some, the word fell on good soil, which resulted in much fruit. Now, at first glance, you might think, why would the farmer waste seed on lousy soil? Why would the farmer know? Why would he scatter seed on soil? That would be rocky, knowing like, why would I waste my seed on this rocky soil? Now, if I'm gonna put grass seed out on my lawn to to make my lawn grow, I want to prepare it, I wanna water it. I'm just gonna I'm not gonna throw um, my you know grass seed on my on my on my driveway. I mean it's not right, it's not gonna it's not gonna produce anything. I want you to understand, during this time where Jesus is talking about when a farmer would, would cast his his seed on the soil, Underneath the soil, it could be very rocky, but he wouldn't see it. Now, we don't have the farm equipment we do today back then. And so the farmer wouldn't know until the seed sprouted up and wouldn't take root or would wither away. Then he would realize, oh, this is rocky soil, because underneath it, maybe 6 to 12 inches, it was rocky soil. Now, for those of you that live north of Ridge Road, I'm going to give you a little, little uh little science little science time, okay? Um, let's all get our little square rugs, okay? Let's all sit around and listen to the story. Um, for those you live north, you understand that your soil is more clay or sand. Now my parents for many years growing up lived right, right by Lake Ontario. We lived like a quarter mile from Lake Ontario. So when we would dig a garden, easy peasy with the garden. Just take the shovel in, whew, nice and sandy. If you live south of Ridge Road. Ain't so easy, right? Can I get an amen? Some of you that try to... There's rocks in there, especially if you, if your house or whatever was in a development where there was fields and farmer fields or if it's near a rock ledge where they would throw all the rocks. Well, that's where we live. So um, I had this great idea one day. Uh, we're, I was going to build a deck around our above-ground pool. You heard me right. Barden was going to build a deck around the above-ground pool. I know some of you are. I know you're going to pass out. And just a minute, Really? Pastor, you can actually do it. I did. So I designed it, and we're going to build this deck. The problem is you have to put footers in, lived in New York, right? And it has to go down, what is it, 42 inches? 48 inches. Oh, gosh, I remember that. Now it's, it's all coming back to me. Um, so this is probably fifty I don't know how many years. This is a while back. So I got a gas auger. So I'm going to say, this is going to be easy. I'm going to get this gas auger. I'm just going to do the whole, oh, I'm going to rent it. And then just put the, you know, put the poles in there, put some concrete in there, and just build No. I I was hitting rock. The minute I got there, I'm bouncing it. I'm bouncing. I'm like, how do you get the rocks out of the holes? So just a wonderful person, member in our church, Luke Loomis, he's watching online. Hey, how you doing, Luke? Um, Luke says, Pastor, I can help you. I've got this long pike that was used in medieval days for jousting. And if 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 you can get in there, we can move the rock around, and and I and I'll help you. Now at this time, I think Luke's around seventy. Um, so he goes, I'll help you. I said, all right, Luke. And Luke is like Clint Eastwood. I mean, he's strong. He's strong as an ox. So he's so I'm getting and I'm killing myself. So you know, I've got my hands on I'm getting all these uh, rocks out. So I'm like, Luke, I think we're on a hill. I go, I think I'm going to fall into the pool with the gas auger. I mean, it's like I'm like you know, and then you, you're bouncing off things. So he goes, I got an idea. I'll tether you. It's a good idea. This is going to turn out real well. He goes, I'll tether you, right? He goes, and I'll hold you back, right? Or, I can, or I, can, I, can, I can tie you up to the house, whichever one you want. Whatever keeps me from dying, Luke. So he's holding me back. I've got this auger. I'm bouncing it off rocks. And we eventually did it. It only took us three weeks. But well, we did it. It took three holes, three weeks. But but we eventually did. And it's just, so for those of you who know rocky soil, it is not, easy to work with. So this is, this is Jesus' mindset. He goes, there are some where God's seed is, is, is thrown, but underneath, it's not good. For a while, for a while, there might be this receptivity of it and this joy, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, things come in our life. And, and, and it really shows the maturity level of our walk with the Lord when difficulties come, right? You're going to know, listen, you're going to know how deep your walk is with the Lord when trials come your way. And so for those that are hearing, Jesus says, I want you to listen close to this because this is going to help you in your walk with the Lord because Jesus wants us to be productive in our spiritual lives. But he said, there are, going to keep, there are things that are going to keep you from growing in me if you do not hear my word and receive it. So we almost ask ourselves, when the word is spoken, what type of soil does it fall on? What, what, what does it fall on? What, what, so we look at these four types of, of soil. We know that three are bad, one is good. But I want you to understand that what Jesus is saying here is that the soil is our hearts. Because that's the real issue here. When, when the seed of God's word falls on our heart, what type of soil will it find? And so the first three soils are common Common in our heart. And Jesus wanted to reveal that because unless our hearts are changed, it will not be receptive to the word of God. So I want I want to dissect this for, for us a little bit here. When, when Jesus talks about the footpath, he's talking about a hardened heart. It's like throwing seed on your driveway or on a sidewalk. And and what Jesus is saying here, this is a heart that is not humble, it's not open to correction. It's a heart that thinks it knows it all. It's not open to be taught. So when these listeners are listening, were they really listening to what Jesus said and God's word? Because once it comes against our heart and our pride, there's always a reaction, right? Whoa, wait a minute. You mean I got to start giving up stuff? I got to start laying down stuff? I got to start asking for forgiveness for stuff? Wait a minute, I don't know about this. Hard heart. Not a heart that's humble and receptive to God's word. I mean, have you ever just talked to somebody that was just stubborn about what they believed? Welcome to our world today, right? <laughs> it's just, and, and so how many of you, we're all stubborn in some ways, aren't we? We all, we all are stubborn in some ways. And have you ever had a conversation with someone and you talk to them, you're just a know-it-all. They just seem to know it all. And you're like, especially if you have this truth and you're trying to tell them, can you see it my way? And they like, Do, will not listen their hearts are not open, and you can give them all the points and all the truths, and 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 their hearts are just not open to to the truth that, that you want want to bring them. It was interesting, Kathleen. And I had this conversation not too long ago where she wanted to move uh, one of the ceiling fans from one bedroom to the other, and so I was like, "She goes, I know it will work." And I said, "Kathleen, it's not going to work. It's just that we can't because the reason why is the beds in this other room in the boys' room, I." I I built, once again, I built something else. I know you can't believe it, but I did. I built something else. I built, like, this loft where we put the mattresses and there was, you know, like bunk beds. It doesn't look pretty, but it works. No one's died yet. So, um, so it's, it was pretty high, and it's pretty high near the ceiling. So if you put a th- ceiling fan there, we're going to rip Wesley to shreds. So I said, the minute he turns that on, he's going to be shredded wheat up there. And Kathleen's like, no, I measured it. It's not going to, I go, he's going to move his foot. You're going to see, you know, things flying all over the place. She goes, no, I measure it. I go, honey, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. So I said, all right, I'll measure it. So I go and I measure it. And guess what? Guess who was right? I was right. She was, no, I'm teasing. Kathleen was right. All right. I was still stubborn on this. You know, I, I, how many of you know, it's, this is what Jesus is talking about. When you have this soil that is hard, they just want to listen to anything. And this is a heart that is not humble or open to correction. Then Jesus talks about this rocky soil. He says, the seed takes root, but it doesn't have deep roots. It springs up quickly, but it doesn't take root. Hardships and trouble will cause it uh, not to take hold. Let me just say something here. Let me just... Those of you watching online, those of you listening here in the sanctuary, l- listen to me quickly. Some of, some of us have to be real careful here about judging Christianity and the church wrongly. But let me, let me just, I'm going to take a tangent here. So just, I love you, but I I, I want to speak to this. Because what I hear a lot in our world today is there's a lot of blame towards the church or towards the organized church or whatever. And listen, there are, can we all be in agreement there are things that people do wrongly? There are people that act unbecomingly. There are leaders or pastors that act unbecomingly um, and, and, and don't represent Christ well. Let's, just be, let's call it for what it is. There are those that are out there. Here's the issue I have. Many people leave the church and they base their walk with God based on what people have done or not done or how they treated them. And they're now looking at the person of Christ and who he is and what he said. That's why I think it's absolutely vital for us to study the person of Jesus and what he said and what he meant, not what somebody else said, not how wrongly someone may have represented him. So I, just a little, while, okay, just, okay. What we end up doing is we end up justifying our wrong behavior right that's not congruent with the word of god or way god's will is or how he wants us to behave with how maybe the church acted in the past or some leader that's wrong that's not how we should base our walk with christ with we look at jesus and what his words are and that doesn't give excuse please 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 listen to me that does not give us an excuse to say what they did was right they have to stand before god and, and 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 need to repent or whatever it needs needs to happen there but for us as followers of Jesus what happens is what that tends to reveal is how deep our walk is with the lord if i easily walk listen if i easily walk away from the lord because of persecution or i don't like what someone said or i feel like i wasn't treated right or some leader did something that was unbecoming of a, of, a, of a leader in Christ or whatever it is, and i just easily walk away. You know what that shows more of? Not the other person, you. Can we all say, ouch? Ouch, right? Because it shows where my maturity is. Where were my roots? Where, where, where was my focal point? Was it on Christ and him, or was it on people? And guess what? People are going to let you down. I'm going to let you down. People are going to let you down. But Christ will never let you down. Christ needs to be your foundation. We need to come back to Christ and allow him to lead us and to guide us and listen to his words. That's why we're going to spend the next two months just talking about him and his words and his character. So this rocky soil will reveal how deep your roots really are. So let's be careful that if you've, maybe you've been, you know, maybe you've been hurt by the church or people in the church. Listen, I feel bad about that. I'm sorry about that, that that's happened to you. But don't let that justify you walking away from Christ. Don't, don't, don't let that be an excuse for twisting Jesus' words and him saying something he never meant or allowing you to live a certain way that he never wants you to live. And that's what we end up doing if we're not careful because then we begin to define what Jesus meant or said to justify my lifestyle that isn't congruent with the will of God. Amen? I love you guys. That's my little soapbox for the day, okay? I love you guys. Then he talks about the third thing. He talks about this thorny soil. He says, and this is, this is a tough one because this is the cares and the worries of the world that, that choke the seed from growing. And, it, you know, we sang about it today about fear. And, and I think in our world today, we're living in so much fear, so much fear. That doesn't mean we're not realistic. That doesn't mean we're not careful. But there are so many things that are being fear-driven that are captivating our hearts and our lives that are pulling us away from the Lord. And this is exactly what what, what Jesus is saying here. But the the cares and the fears and, and chasing after the things of this world that satisfies is going to choke out God's word from us hearing what he wants us to hear. Listen to me very, very simply here. Listen to me. Some of you, i must speak to... Boy, I'm really on it today. I'm sorry, but I'm on it today. Listen, some of you just need to get off the internet for a while. And all the YouTube sites and everything else that, that have been gripping your heart with fear. The Word of God says this. It says, be anxious for nothing. Paul tells the church in Philippi, be anxious or worry about nothing, but in everything, with prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus listen i'm not saying that doesn't mean we shouldn't be aware we shouldn't pray for our country all these things we need to be doing but when fear begins to grip our heart and begins to sway our attitudes away from the lord and the peace of christ we are going to be walking away from his word Those things will begin to captivate us more than Christ. Listen, that's why prayer is so vital. When we come to the Lord, we lay these things. You don't think Jesus understands what's going on? Listen, God is in control. God is in control. And this is where I come to him and I say, Lord, I can't handle all this stuff. I've got fear, I've got worry that has gripped my heart and this is what's leading me and, 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 and I'm stressed out. That's not good. That is not going to produce fruit in your life. Can I get an amen? It's just, it's bad. It's bad fruit. And so Jesus says, listen, don't allow the word to be choked out of your life by the worries and the fears that this world is throwing at us. That doesn't mean we're not wise. That doesn't, that doesn't mean we keep our eyes open. But when I start chasing down all these rabbit trails and all these other things and all these conspiracies and everything else in this world, this is going to blah, 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 right? listen, it will choke God's word in the presence of Christ that he desires to give to you each and every day. Church, as your pastor, I love you. I do. I love you. But listen, let's be captivated by Christ and him alone. Come to him in prayer and give those things to him and allow his peace. That doesn't mean we're not going to be faced with the same thing tomorrow or next week, but when we give those things to the Lord, he gives us his peace to protect our hearts and our minds, to keep us on track, to keep us on point, that it's about him, it's about a lost world, and people need Christ. Let's not lose our focus, amen. I totally lost my place. Where are we now? That was the the thorny. Okay, we are on the good soil. Okay, let's get to the good soil. Okay, let's get to the good soil. Everybody say good soil. Okay, here we are. Now, this is the person who receives, right, who receives Christ's word and lets it grow in their life, which produces fruit, not just fruit, but overwhelming fruit, like a bumper crop, you Wayne County fruit farmers, bumper crop of cherries and apples and peaches and avocados, I don't know, whatever, whatever we grow here in Wayne County. It just produces a bumper crop of fruit. So the question is, what type of soil is my heart? What is the condition of my heart? How do we allow God to grow in our lives and to produce the right kind of fruit? Listen, that should be our pursuit. If we are not growing and producing fruit, something's wrong. We might be producing fruit, but it's, it's bad fruit. It's not going to last. So, how do we do this? I have the answer for you. I have it for you. John chapter twelve, verse twenty-four. I want you to listen to what Jesus says here. This is how we produce the right type of fruit. Jesus says, "Very, very verily, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds." That's the answer. Let's pray and go home. No, you're like, Pastor, what does that mean? Where's the one, two, three step, Pastor? I don't know. Where, where are you going with this? Listen, listen to me closely. Just don't lose me here. People online, put your coffee down, put your danishes down. Listen to me closely. I want you to catch this. This is so good. We can't create the good soil. See, what we try to do in our own humanness is we try to be better or gooder, right? Right? We try to say, well, if I just do enough good things, then there's going to be this fruit that's produced in my life. It doesn't come through works or religion. It comes through, Jesus says it here in this passage, dying to myself. Unless that kernel dies, it will not produce the, the fruit that God desires. It doesn't come through good works or religion. Jesus wants us to see the truth within this parable. The message of the parable is not about trying harder or looking into yourself to be a better person. It's not about attaching Jesus to your life to make your life better or maybe just I'll I'll give Jesus a trial run, right? That's not what Jesus is saying. There has to be death. And unless there's death, there'll be no fruit. And I think what we've done is, boy, I'm just crazy. I'm sorry. But listen, this is what we, we do. We want a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of the world. And that's what we look for. And then we want, okay, we're, then why, am, why aren't I growing? What, why am I still the same I was last year and the year before? Because there's not a dying to yourself. We want a little bit of Christianity, a little bit of Jesus, and then, but I still want to do some of the things I still do. Now listen, I'm not trying to be hard on you. I'm trying to tell you, if you want fruit in your life, if you truly want to grow in the Lord, if you're sick of being stuck in the same rut year after year after year, there's got to be a death to yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. And I don't mean to be hard here, but I I love you and I want you to grow. And there's this discipleship process that we train ourselves to be godly that ends up producing a harvest of righteousness. See, that's the truth that Jesus wants us to see. The only way for the seed to grow and produce fruit, it must first die. That's what I love last week. I love baptism services. It was so good last week. Just hearing people's testimony and hearing how Christ saved them. But you know what baptism is? Baptism is about death. It's about death. We identified with Christ through his death and then through his resurrection, we are raised with him to walk a new life. See, the reason why you're struggling, many times we struggle, myself included, we struggle with our Christian walk is that we don't know how to die. We don't know how to die to our own desires. And so we want God to do this great work, but yet we don't want him to do this complete work because we're not fully giving ourselves to him. So Jesus says, unless you fully give yourself to me, and what I love about baptism, what I love about full immersion baptism, it just, it's such a visual, symbolic act of what Christ does in our hearts. Going under the water, we die to ourselves; we die with Christ, and then coming out, we come out as a new person. That Jesus is the one that sanctifies us. He's the one that changes us. He's the one that gives us a brand new life. Listen to what Paul says. I love Colossians 2, 12, and 13. It says, this is what he tells the church in Colossae. This is so good. Listen to what he says. He says, for you were buried with Christ when you were what? Baptized. There's the death. You were buried. Buried to yourself. Your own desires. There's a seed dying. Okay? The seed is dying. You just died to yourself. And with him, you were raised to what? A new life. Now, this is the word... Born again that Jesus used in John 3 3. Unless a man is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Now I know the word born again has got thrown around. One person said, Oh, are you that born-again church down at the end of Ridge Road where all the weird churches are? Right? Are you the you the born-again church? Like it was some denomination. We're the born-again denomination, right? And and I like to correct people there because it's not a religion. It's not a it's not a denomination. It's a new life. Because unless you die to yourself, Jesus says, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. You you can't obtain it through your flesh, through your goodness, through your religion. You must be born again. And this is what he says to Nicodemus, religious good man. But unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. See, this is the new life. And listen to what Paul says. Is this new life because you did what? You trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of what? Your sins. And because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then, then, then God made you alive with Christ and he forgave all our sins. You see, we come to Christ with nothing, and in return, he gives us everything. You've you got to see it that way. He, he does it all for us. We, we, don't, we don't bring anything to the table. If we did, then we could bargain with God, and we'd say, God, I'll give you Sunday, but you've got to give me Friday night. You've got to give me Friday night, right? If I come Sunday, can i go? good. No. No, nah. because nah, if we're saved by grace, right? If we're saved by grace, then there's nothing that God can ask of us. Nothing. If I'm saved by works, then I can bargain with God. But if we're truly saved by God's grace, then there's nothing he can't ask of me. And he says, come and die so that you can find new life. Die to your pride and your desires, and you will produce fruit in your life that will be a bumper crop. Listen, it wasn't working for you before, was it? It wasn't because it was in our own desires and our own wants and our own flesh. You see, if, if he, so how do we chart this? Because I'm kind of a chart person. I like, okay, how do I know that I'm growing, Pastor Barn? How, how do I know? How do I allow my heart to continually be fertile and open to the correction of the Lord? How do I continually die to my, so I just wake up in the morning and say, okay, God, I'm dead. I die to myself. I live for you. You can do that, and that's good. It's a good reminder for us. But here's how you know. When there's something, listen to me closely, because this is hard for me. When there's something that offends you, when you're easily offended, there's something in you that hasn't died. That's how you know. You see, because I want to protect myself, my pride says, no, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. But if I'm not open to God's correction where I say, you know what, that might be something I need to die to and my pride has gotten in the way or someone has ruffled my feathers. So what we do is we get on Facebook and, you know, and then we've got all the people that agree with us. Yeah, man, yeah, you're great. Blah, blah, blah. And then one person disagrees with us, unfriended. No, one you're not agreeing, right? Um, listen, 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 listen. Jesus has come and died. What's at stake is the gospel message, not my preferences. Capiche? Okay. So if, if, I'm, if I'm dying to myself, then what I'm saying is Christ, everything about you needs to be paramount in my life. Everything else, all my preferences, everything else, or what I think or what I believe that, that, that are not gospel centered need to be set on the side. And if I'm easily offended about those things that are not about the gospel, I'm not producing the right fruit on the wrong path so may I die to myself and my desires that Christ may be glorified in my life see that's why I believe it's so important for us to take communion as the church body because what communion does is it takes us back and allows us to remember that God demonstrates his love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. We have to remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us. So, if Jesus, listen, if Jesus could forgive me, a filthy sinner, a prideful person, if he could forgive me, then I need to allow Christ's spirit to offer that forgiveness to others. I'm just going to finish with this and we're going to take communion together. Listen, some of you, the reason why you're not growing or the reason why you feel like there's not fruit being produced in your life is because you're holding on bitterness. You're holding on unforgiveness from your past. And that's robbing you, that's robbing you of the fruit that God desires to have grow in your life. So if there are things in your past, listen, Paul, the Apostle Paul was very specific when he says, Do not haphazardly come to the Lord's table. Examine your hearts. If there's anything in your heart that needs to be laid before the Lord, do it and ask for forgiveness. So the reason why maybe some of us aren't growing in the Lord like God wants us to is because we've got bitterness in our heart. Maybe it's towards someone else. Maybe it's unforgiveness. And listen, that doesn't mean what that person did. It may be an atrocity. That doesn't let them off the hook. They have to stand before the Lord. That doesn't mean we just whitewash, say, well, that wasn't a bad... No, that's not... It was bad. It was horrible. Whatever it might be, whatever your past might be, whatever things might happen to you or you did to somebody else. But listen, if Jesus says to forgive someone 70 times 7, I think we need to listen to that. And if I'm holding on because someone did me wrong, did me wrong, you did me wrong. If somebody did you wrong and you're holding on to that, you're not going to grow. I'm just going to be honest with you. You're not going to grow. You've got to give that to the Lord. You have to give that to the Lord. And allow forgiveness to flow as God's forgiveness through his son Jesus had flowed into our life when we least deserved it. So as we come to the table today, Let's die. Let's die to ourselves. Maybe there's a thing in your life that you've been holding on to and you're struggling with. Jesus says, come and die and let me give you life again. Maybe there's bitterness or unforgiveness that you're holding on to. Die to that thing and allow Christ to be glorified in your life. Listen. There's nothing in this world That can ever give you the satisfaction or the peace that Christ can. And if you're seeking after those things to try to give you fruit and success and peace in your life, it will never happen. It will be an endless pursuit that will never satisfy you. Jesus says, Come, all you are heavy laden, wearied, come, come, because I want to give you rest from all those vain pursuits. Let's come and die as we take from the Lord's table today. Amen. So let's take our communion cups here. I know sometimes this can be tricky, but there's a top foil that you can pull off and that reveals the wafer. And then the next you can pull back and that reveals the juice. And so can we pray together as, as the body of Christ and allow him just to speak to our hearts today? Amen. We're all making a joyful noise unto the Lord as we rip open the communion wafers. Amen. Father God, we we fall short so many times. But I thank you that you're a forgiving Father who receives us, who corrects us. So Father God, I pray that as we come, we come and we die to ourselves, our desires. And we say, we want you to prepare our hearts to be fertile to hear from you and we can't do that unless we die to ourselves first and so we die to ourselves and we ask that you would speak to us speak to the areas of our lives that aren't in congruence with your word or your will God speak to us because you want God it's not that you want to harm us or hurt us you want our lives to be fruitful and the reason we struggle and the reason why we're not fruitful is because we've been holding on to things that have hampered you from fully working in our lives. So we lay those at your feet, God. We thank you that you love us so much that you don't leave us alone. You love us so much that you speak to our hearts and when our hearts are tender, yes, you do rebuke us. Yes, you do correct us. But Lord, you love us and you care for us and you receive us and you don't reject us because of our shortcomings, and we're so thankful for that. So as we come to the table today, we remember Jesus' sacrifice, his body that was given for us, his blood that was shed for us to cleanse us from our sin that we might know God. So Lord, cleanse us anew and afresh today. Lord, help us. Help us not to search for things in the world that only end up leaving us empty and looking for more. May we be pursuers of Jesus in our lives, in our personal lives, in our our devotion, in our Bible reading, in our prayer time, so that we don't allow the things of this world to either bring fear or choke out your word in our lives. May we be pursuers of you, Jesus, because we know that produces a harvest of righteousness that glorifies you. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's take the wafer today. Aren't you thankful for the body of Christ today? Can we take this together as the family of God? Thank you for your body in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's take the cup and you can, if you haven't already, pull back your, the tab there so thankful for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all our unrighteousness. Let's partake of the cup together in Jesus' name. Amen.